I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the icon of vacations. Icon of the seas. Arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry Bahamas. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Right. Welcome to Out of the Blue from Maze and Brew, part of the SB Nation Podcast Network. Podcast that's much like a meditative houseplant, turning gently towards the passing afternoon sun with whimsy and grace. I am Jared Stormer of MazeandBrew.com. With me, as always, is Andy Bailey, my hetero life mate. The only man that 9 out of 10 dentists warn you about, but not because of what he does to teeth, but what he does to dentists. Be wary. Andy? It's good to be here with you in person across the room from you for this very special podcast. How are you, my friend? First live pod together. This is fantastic, sir. It's very, very just it is my pleasure to welcome you to the house tonight on your journey down south, just trekking through America. And we have some cold beers. I turned 31 this week. Life is good. Michigan's 13 and 0. Wait, wait just a moment. There we have it. That's the stuff I was waiting for that moment. Happy birthday to this king that sits across from me. Uh, Getting to do this one live, as you mentioned, as I am heading down south. And I mean, we have so much to celebrate, so much to talk about. Let's get into this, man. Like, these are just the best of times. And and trust me, I would know. I was voted third most likely to succeed in my high school. Let's get into some quick hits, my friend. Basketball, let's start there because this is going to be a football-heavy one. Two losses that we need to discuss. Very close, both to very good teams. 70-68, to we fall to number three, Virginia, and then fall 73-69 to number 19, Kentucky. Were you able 
able to watch either or both of these games? Yeah, I was able to watch both. And I've really been tuned into basketball. Like in the middle of the week, the game's been coming on really good times for me uh, in the holiday season. So haven't had to miss any yet. And been really impressed with a few things. Uh, the development of the perimeter defense has gotten better every game. They're very competitive. They have that tendency, as young teams often do, to play to the level of their competition. So you're hoping they can shake free of that. But with Hunter Dickinson playing at an All-American level, this team's always going to have a very high ceiling this entire year. Yeah, so I was able to watch Virginia. A lot of good, some bad in that one. Hanging with the number three team at home. Um, there's no such thing as you know a moral victory. But sure. this is a very good team, and it showed kind of where we were at. So I took away a lot of positives. Dickinson in that one had 23-7 and seven and five blocks. That was the number one positive that I took away from that, was that Hunter Dickinson looked like he was an actual defensive anchor in the paint, which is not something we would have described him as. Uh, up to this point, we were saying that if he develops that and then a somewhat reliable three-pointer, he is probably an NBA player. He looked like an NBA player against Virginia. That was the best I've seen him on the defensive end. Um, and then the not-so-good, Jalen Llewellyn in that game, um, as well as Kentucky. But in that one, I, I believe he was banged up a little bit. But against Virginia, just still struggling to get into a rhythm, still kind of struggling to lead the offense. Um, hasn't really been much of a scoring threat whatsoever. So not a guy that's shown he can go get his own shot. But I'm just kind of worried about where he's been fitting in as, as far as setting the table for others. It just feels it feels rough. It's like a square peg in a round hole. He just can't seem to find anything about it. He shot over 40% from three during his time at Princeton. I don't know why it's been such a rough transition for him. When you see other players acclimating faster, like Doug McDaniel has been finding the bottom of the bucket a little more than he did the first couple games of the season. So I am concerned. He had the non-contact knee injury against uh, UK, which kind of concerns me. I, I haven't read what's going on with him now and what his prognosis is. Uh, but to your uh, earlier point about Hunter Dickinson had, again, a great game against Oscar Tashibwe, had three blocks in that one, outscored him, and just looking like the guy we always hoped he'd become, playing very very mature this season. And if they can just get anything consistent around him, whether it be from Jet, Kobe Bufkin's getting better, Terrence Williams always been good for a timely bucket. They are so close. They're such an on-the-edge type of team. But just because you're on the edge doesn't mean you're going to cross over to be a great team. 100%. Um, not to go back to the Virginia game, but this kind of showed itself against Kentucky as well is the bench play. You get 15 from Jet Howard against Virginia, and you get five points total off your bench. A little bit better against Kentucky. I think you get 12 points off your bench, but having that consistent bench threat as well is something I'm keeping my eye on. Joey Baker looks like he's going to be a once every three games kind of guy. Uh, a guy that just, you know, he was buried at Duke coming into that R.J. Barrett, Zion Williams draft class. So didn't really really get a lot of time on court and it's kind of getting buried here and I'm not going to say he's going to like fall down the depth chart because we don't have anybody else but he's got to be able to come in and make shots because he doesn't bring a lot on the defensive end so there are some guys that come in you mentioned Doug McDaniel I like his bench minutes kind of like what I saw from Isaiah Barnes he and had two threes Reed. against uh, UK yeah I kind of yeah. liked what I saw from from them that was just highlights that I was able to watch and saw that but yeah the, the bench unit is well like we need to have consistent scoring off the bench somebody that can lead that offense and go get a bucket on their own if that's going to be Doug or if that's eventually maybe Yusuf Kayat's going to get the Nakai Hill Green treatment we'll mention him next time we see him <laughs> I don't know what's going on like I, I give him some run right now maybe in a smaller game coming up because he had the two big matchups right now so it's tough but how many games are they through right now is it eight 
they are currently five and three. Yeah, through eight games. Okay, so this time last year we were five and three all after December first. How do you feel about last year's team at this point of the season compared to this year's team? I'm actually well. Part of it is because of last year, some lessons learned. I'm actually feeling a little bit better about this team. The one concern is the fact that our point guard is really not meshing with the offense. Arguably, the most important position on the floor. It is the most important position come tournament time. But again, maybe it's just he needs more time. Um, so that does concern me. But we said last week and the week before we think this is going to take some time to gel. Yeah, this is a younger team. I mean, Jet Howard's your second best player. Kobe Bufkin is you know rising up the ranks of importance on this team. So I'm not panicked at this point, far from it, give them time. But I will say the Llewellyn thing is really starting to, you know, kind of wear on me. Something I'm keeping my eye on. It is easily the number one concern with this team moving forward. Um, with this health issue, it makes things even a little more tight and more pressing on the bench to step up. But this time last year, I think I was more concerned because when we played Arizona and North Carolina, those games were just blowouts, just getting crushed by 18 and by 19. All these games right now, Michigan is competitive. They're getting close. It's not a bad team. It's just they're not a complete team yet. And they're still going to like be rough around the edges for a few more weeks, I think. Well, I mean, think about this. Llewellyn had six against Virginia and four against uh, UK, and we lose by, what, three and four respectively. Exactly. If he has a slightly better game, if he can come out there and just be a 10-point-per-game guy, I think we're probably looking at a six and two or maybe a seven and one team and the conversation is drastically different uh last question on basketball i wanted to ask you do you think after this year i mean obviously we'll see what happens with llewellyn but is it time to maybe move away from the plug and play transfer approach at the point guard position I think so. I think it's time to develop somebody, give him some reps in there. Maybe Doug McDaniel is that guy. If he continues to get better on the offensive end, we've seen his tenacity defensively. Hell, we thought it was going to be Frankie Collins until he turned Benedict Collins and left us. So Trash. I think he wants to get away from that approach, really build a culture around the floor general. So I think this might be the last year. Plus, Llewellyn can come back, I think. Yeah, he probably could. Do we want him? No, just <laughs> too early to write him. Have that conversation later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll wait till more than eight games. But yeah, certainly going to be keeping an eye on it, man. Uh, all right, let's go. Here's one. Let's talk high school football. Central Catholic, Ohio State champions as of right now. My stepdad coaches at Central Catholic out of Toledo, Ohio. So congratulations to them on that. They beat Akron Hoban in the state championship. And the way that, give me, let me land the plane here. This is going to come back to Michigan. <laughs> The Akron Hoban running back uh, is Lamar Sperling, who is named Mr. Ohio, back-to-back -back Mr. Ohio. He had 3,500 rushing yards, 55 touchdowns on 377 carries coming into this. That's like about three times as much as four-star Cole Cabana. And his only offer coming into the week was Buffalo. Just recently got offered by Kentucky. But Paul, who has coached against Charles Woodson, Joe Burrow, a bunch of guys have played in these games, said this is the best player he's seen since Burrow. And before that, you have to go back to Woodson. So we're, we're looking at the transfer portal. And we're going to talk about it extensively in the second half of this. But I just kind of wanted to point out how much the COVID year is still really impacting recruiting. And it's, you know, part of that is like Michigan is able to go find guys that no one else has even looked at because there's so many guys out there. Like this guy rushes for 3,500 yards, 55 touchdowns. Who's going into the state championship? <laughs> I think he had 230 in the state championship and has one offer and it's Buffalo. So it's it's just like, how, how does Harbaugh keep finding these three stars? It's like, well, a lot of people are 
being under-recruited. And there's a lot of talent out there that doesn't even have eyes on it right now. So just kind of something I found interesting that I wanted to bring up as we have these discussions about the transfer portal and some of the guys coming into Michigan. There is no world you can convince me Colston Loveland should not have been the highest five-star tight end you've ever seen. If he went to a town that had more than, you know, 10 people, six cows, and a few women, he would be a five-star. <laughs> Coming from the small town in Idaho, he went undervalued. So it's just another case to look at this. And I hope this kid becomes something. I hope he becomes something in Michigan. Maybe there's a late push. He's just down the road in Akron. So now that's a great story, man. Just a great find and more players just falling under the radar because the transfer portal has become like free agency. Colston Loveland's entire town could fit into the first four rows of the student section at the big house. Like it's, that's not even being facetious. They, they were there. I saw yeah, them. <laughs> I, they were the ones with the overall bib overalls. I saw them. Dressed like potatoes. <laughs> you went on straw. That's a stereotype to our Idaho friends. I'd be very surprised if we have any Idaho listeners, but he has to be the pride of his hometown at this point. Like, And how do you find a guy like that? That was kind of like the impetus for this discussion. How the hell do you go find Colston Loveland in a town of 3,000 people, and it looks like you absolutely hit a home run? It's like finding Randy Quaid and Kingpin when he's so good at bowling. You just find him in the neck of the woods. Like, this Amish guy? Colson Loveland? It's like this guy's out here just, you know. Chopping wood in an outhouse somewhere in the, in the forest. Harbaugh just saw him. I was like, I got to have him. Got to have him. <laughs> saw him when he would be built a barn in an afternoon with nothing but a wood plane and an oxen. <laughs> that was after he had 10 catches for 200 yards. <laughs> Gave him a scholarship that afternoon. All right, we're going to get off the rails being in the same room. I absolutely love it. But um, all right, let's let's uh, let's move here to something else I wanted to touch on. Michigan adjacent. Deion Sanders has been hired as the head coach over at Colorado. One of the strangest pairings. That is my alma mater. This is not a Colorado podcast. And I know you had some thoughts about Deion Sanders, but this is probably the coaching move that's going to have the most – uh, gravity as far as what happens in the transfer portal. Do you agree with that? Absolutely. And you made a great point when you were discussing this off air about how it's just bringing life back to a program. It's making Colorado relevant again in the national scheme of things. And I think that's the first step. Obviously, winning is the most important, but now you're getting the notoriety. You're going to get a lot of recruits in, and then we'll see how well he can coach in the Pac-12. I'm with you, man. I'm going to reserve judgment. Not a huge fan of telling, like, basically your quarterback and starting quarterback, they may as well pack their bags. Uh, he's not wrong. I mean, it is one of the, if not the worst rosters in all of Power Five, and that has to change. They need to get talent in there. But I wouldn't just come right out and tell the guys that. But then again, the other side of that is, like, I'd rather just be known if you're breaking up with me. Don't, <laughs> don't drag this out for three and a half months. Like, let me get on with my life. It's true, but you could always find those gems that you didn't want from the previous regime, and then you carry them over, and they're just studs for you down the road. It's like, you know, would you walk in and be like, Andrew Vestardis is a sophomore and chase him off, then you see what he can become? So I see your point to that as well. Like, you want the clean break, but we'll see. It all remains to be seen. Like, if he wins games, he's going to look like a genius. He brought in his own thing, cleaned house, and reinvented the culture. But if it doesn't work, then this could be looked back a little more sideways. Yes. And I mean, it's probably a launch pad type of deal. I don't think this is the place that he wanted to end up. I mean, Boulder, while an amazing place to live and it's way overpopulated now, definitely don't move there. You couldn't <laughs> afford it anyway, but it's not a destination for sports. And I mean, their athletic program is not known for like dishing out a lot of money. They don't even have the money to pay them yet. I think they're paying them with like the same way that uh, Harry and Lloyd paid back those guys in Dumber Dumber, just like a suitcase full of IOUs. <laughs> 
Instead of fishing, digging the mountain, there's gold. I promise. It's up there. We haven't got it all yet. <laughs> Colson Loveland's been mining for it for years. <laughs> it's Pappy. <laughs> yeah, man. So we'll be keeping an eye on it, or at least I will. Um, but, you know, this has the chance. This is the biggest boom or bust swing hire that there is. This could go horribly sideways, or it could be completely incredible, and they could win the Pac-12. I have absolutely no idea. I don't even know who's in the Pac-12 as of next year so. <laughs> It's strange, man. Uh, you want to cook on hockey for a moment, sir? Oh, yes. Yeah. So um, hockey had a really disappointing loss to opening the weekend last week against Wisconsin. It was um, very bad on the surface because it was their first Big Ten win of the season. But Wisconsin has been slowly turning it around. They had won five in a row at that point. Uh, marred by penalties, Michigan was called for eight. Wisconsin was called for seven. So there was a little bad taste coming into the second game. But Michigan found a way to right the ship, come back, get the win, while still being called for eight penalties in the second game, which caused just a lot of problems online. Brandon Arato had called for a few misconducts. It was it was very strange, very weirdly officiated. But you still get three points, and now you have a big clash with Michigan State coming up this weekend. That was so succinct and perfect. I have no notes. <laughs> Well, I watched the first game. I was getting so frustrated. I'm like, it's your, it's your birthday weekend. Your friends are here. I'm just screaming at my phone. I'm like, what are you doing, Jackson Hallam? And they're like, what, are you, what is wrong with you? So I tried to like take a step back from the content and then caught up on the second game later and, you know, tried to enjoy a normal people life. I hated it. Yeah, yeah, that's not for you. I've seen you in a hot tub watching a Detroit Pistons game while watching a Michigan hockey game on your phone while ranking the Game of Thrones characters in a seated bracket. That really came out excellent, by the way. So that man knows what he's doing. You know I can do with three arms? <laughs> be insane. Just be all over the place, breaking down the X's and O's, reading the message boards with my other arm. But uh, yeah, man, uh, Michigan sports are in full swing right now. It's probably my favorite, but also most overwhelming time of the year. It is, but now we're in the kind of a dead period as we uh, transition to football. That's a great transition. Uh, so we do have news about football, and it's kind of like an interesting dead period because there's going to be things happening every single week. We do know our opponent, so not really a dead period for us. I'm really excited about all the things we have to talk about. Let's get one of the not exciting things out of the way, and that is that Blake Orem underwent successful knee surgery, minor knee surgery, that uh, did go well according to everything that we've seen coming both from him and from the program and the recovery for this is something that you brought up uh if you'd hand if you have those numbers the recovery time and how long we have until the, na the national championship potentially yes yeah, so broad strokes here the recovery time for a meniscus surgery like this is said to be around six to eight weeks Quorum got his knee surgery last thursday which puts him at 39 days to the national championship so you know it's it's real it's real tight and with uh, all the availability of Michigan's athletics and rehabilitation services, like can he just shave a couple of days, not even a week, just a couple of days and come back for the national championship. And you and I were talking like, should he do this? He has this going on. But it's like, this is the national championship. Like this was their last goal of the season. I know he wants to be a part of it. He's been in the facilities every day recovering. So I'd put it about 20%, but I'm not going to count Blake Corm out. Yeah, it's a low percentage, and I wouldn't get your hopes up on this. But at the same time, like, if you can go and it's three days, like, is there some type of cryogenic freezing of the knee we can do that is offered in Indonesia? Because I'll buy – I have, like, miles. I'll give it my miles and get him to Indonesia if that's what it takes. But it's so close. You're absolutely right. They did say done for the year. But you have to imagine as this thing gets closer and he's out there running on it, because, I mean, he'll probably be running on it 
you know, a week out or something like that, you start to kind of test the strength and do light jogging. There's no way he's not going to be like, oh, hang on a second. You just wait till it flashes across the ticker. Blake Corum questionable. <laughs> I'm telling you, I just went six of midnight when you said that. So. <laughs> but at least no matter what, we should have Donovan Edwards with two hands. So that makes me feel a little better. Donnie, two hands. Just wait to see what he does when he doesn't have to take a half second to adjust it. But yeah, that is fascinating. Blake Corum was also named an All-American today, our only All-American. There's some sub, there's some for sure snubs there. Uh, the fact that Olu Oluwatimi is not first or second team All-American, nor is Mozzie Smith. Those were the names that you and I immediately went to when we pulled up that list. Corum being there with Bijan Robinson is good, and I'm glad that they at least got that right. But Olu not being on that list, for me, seems like a huge swing and a miss. It feels like the complete opposite of last year when everybody on the team was getting recognized and get, I mean, deservedly so, but like getting all these accolades. And now it's like snub, snub, snub. I mean, you have uh, TCU's offensive coordinator, uh, Lincoln Riley's brother, going to win the Broyles over Jesse Mentor. So not like Josh Gaddis last year. Harbaugh's, there's no way he's going to win the AP coach of the year back to back. It'll probably go to Sonny Dykes. TCU, and now you have the All-American snubs. Olu is ridiculous. Like, like, that's not even us being homers. Like, homers would be like, where's the Mikey love, you know? Like, although we want to see it, but, like, this is just going to build up the defense of being no stars. We're going to show you. And – it, if you put him second team, at least you could get me off of your back. But now I'm going to be incessant about this. What's a Minnesota kid with yeah. three names? <laughs> Minnesota has, what, four losses? Yeah. And, like, Blake Corum. So I do think that, um, what was this? Mohamed Ibrahim has the most rushing yards or most rushing touchdowns. He does have one over Corum. I think it's yards. I think it's yards. Yeah. It's yards. He has yards over him. But so we're valuing yards over scores that lead the wins? What are we in here yeah also they played in the big 10 west like you didn't play like didn't play the penn states didn't play the ohio states didn't play in the big 10 championship olu was a road grader in the most important games of the year just ridiculous that is ridiculous mozzie smith is i mean i think maybe you could talk me into second team because there's two defensive uh tackles on each one but all right that's fine i guess there was a couple of jalen carter's a beast he's gonna take one brian brise from clint all right fine whatever but the olu one yeah I'm going to be rattling about that one into the offseason, man. Um, last little football. Unless, did you have something else you wanted to touch on there? No, I'm just upset. <laughs> I get it. Too. Uh, I tuned in the other day and watched Donovan Peoples-Jones run a kick return back and then Nico Collins catch one in the end zone. And I don't really have anything that I wanted to say other than like, it's rare that we've had a duo like that, a receiving duo like that, and it might be a while. You look at our roster now, and it's like, I don't think we have a duo that's going to be like NFL caliber guys at the skill position. It's just not how we're building. Um, and obviously, I'll take the way we're doing things now. But, um, man, it, was, it, it would be nice to have one of those two guys this year. Like, you said something off air about having just one of those guys that made me think. It would, it would be such a benefit to this team, just having one big receiver like that, game-breaking type that has it all together. Because, like, all of our receivers right now, besides Andrew Anthony, really do one thing exceptionally well. Like, Roman Wilson's a speedster. Ronnie Bell is so good after the catch. Uh, Cornelius Johnson is also really good at getting separation now. So again, apologies to CJ from last week. We're going to continue this. My bad. <laughs> we owe you this. But it's like DPJ and Nico Collins are such an amalgamation of all of those characteristics. And we really need that on this team. Or I don't really need it, but it would be just such a benefit and make this uh, offense, I mean, 
unstoppable. Yeah, what you said to me off air is if we had both of them, or maybe it was one of them, but we win every game by 30 and like kind of- Stand by this. I would stand by that too. Like Georgia even, like I'd feel a lot better about Georgia if we had a Nico Collins and a Loveland. Speaking of having former players back, did you see Jordan Lewis's tweet this past week? I did not. He said if uh, the 16 team had JJ, we would have beaten the 07 Pats. (laughs) Let's go. Because somebody said a 16 team acted like they're the 07 pass. And if we had JJ, we beat him. And he's like, and they're like, all oh, the shade towards Will. And he's like, no, nah, that's my boy. He said, but just, you know, play is the play. Yeah, I was going to say, Jordan Lewis was the one that told me to watch out for Ambry and Will Johnson. Like, that's yes. how I knew about these guys years ago. Yeah, we, we listen to things JD says. So I just found that interesting. And I love having the uh, almost universal love for JJ. Yes, almost. We'll we'll get to that. Uh, There is something else that we should get to, and we're now 20 minutes into this podcast. We haven't even mentioned it yet. I don't know if you knew this, but Michigan, they're back-to-back Big Ten champions. So I feel like we should discuss that at length. Your thoughts? Oh, something to touch on, man. It almost (laughs) – it's so weird because you and I were talking about, like, before the game, like, it almost felt inevitable besides, like, the small, like, 10% of you that's, like – spoiler makers it could get weird but like you just felt so confident they were going to get it done like you don't come this far just to fall apart Michigan was kind of sluggish out of the gate a little bit after their first drive settled in and then did exactly what you wanted they were dominant in the second half ran the ball saw some deep shots from JJ and they won by 23. Joel Klatt, who uh, I agree with nine out of 10 things that Joel Klatt said, this thing that he said would be the 10th the other day. He was like, as I was watching this game, I realized how little it mattered a Michigan versus an eight and four team. Like there is part of that that I agree with that Michigan probably shouldn't be playing an eight and four team. You go 12 and oh, you beat Ohio State, but then you got to show up and beat this eight and four team. That's just kind of an annoying like gnat that's been buzzing around your face all day after heavy drinking. Like I get that, but. The, to say that it meant nothing and that, like, I'm not paying attention to this game because the playoffs were already set, I could not disagree more. This game for sure matters because if you do all that, if you accomplish everything that you accomplished this year and then do not finish it up with that championship, look at how TCU's feeling right now. Like, it is tough to get that championship, to even get that opportunity. And now TCU, if they just go out and lose to Michigan, how is this year remembered? So we got that Big Ten championship. There's the ring. There's the banner. There is something tangible that you can take away from this that is like, yes, we accomplished that this year. What else can we accomplish? So I thought it meant the world, man. 13-0 and 0 also. Like, that doesn't even make sense to say. The Michigan program record. We've been playing football for 143 years. Ridiculous. We have 25 wins in two years. Like, it's just – it's – it's too much to even drink in in one gulp. It's such good news. And one point I want to get to, even before we dive into this, you said it off air, and it's a brilliant point. Clat saying this game, you know, is meaningless. You know, this game is so important for the future because you said, who are the guys that stood out here? Colston Loveland, Will Johnson, the freshmen getting all these extra reps. That is just going to make them even more dangerous in the playoff. You don't sacrifice live reps and devalue a conference championship. Are you kidding me? And you especially don't devalue just production and progression. I'm 100% with you, and we're going to talk a lot about the freshmen. So let's kind of go through what happened on Saturday in a game that certainly made me nervous, more nervous than I had been like uh, in, in probably weeks. Well, no, obviously the Ohio State <laughs> yeah, game, me, but you go back before that, I hadn't been that nervous. Like Illinois didn't get me that nervous, nothing else, not even Michigan State. Uh, but Michigan had been a second-half team all season, so you go into them basically tied at the half. 
We have a plus 186 point differential after halftime. That is the second highest margin for any FBS team through 12 games over the past 10 years. Pretty good. So that's not bad. So the confidence going into the second half was strong. And you and I were kind of texting. We felt good about it. You said it was an inevitability. It was close to that. Like I said, there was the spoiler makers aspect of it where I couldn't get comfortable. But the defense is what did it. And I want to start on the defense. Um, Jesse Minter absolutely snubbed for the Broyles. The, the, those numbers that I gave you, I think, are primarily him. It is, you know, Ben Herbert as well, and the ability for the offensive line to wear on you in the second half. It's a lot that goes into that point differential. But the adjustments by Minter in the second half, I think, are just one of the – he needs a nickname. I don't know what it is. The Adjustment Bureau, the Closer, something. Yeah, we've been trying to workshop this behind the scenes. I suggested uh, just Blake from Glengarry Glen Ross. <laughs> He's a closer, but if I just call him Blake, people are going to think something's wrong with me. But, yeah, at the, I mean, they completely shifted their coverage. It was all zone in the first half primarily, and in the second half it was man-to-man. And they just completely changed things up, continued to give them different looks. And this is just such a far cry away from the Don Brown days when it's like, oh, we're getting beaten, man. Better get prepared to get beat by man in the second half. What do you think will happen in the second half, Andy? The same thing that happened in the first half, Jared. I'm thinking more man. (laughs) Interesting. I agree. I concur. So Minter making the adjustments, not giving up any touchdowns in the second half, just all field goals after their first touchdown in this game, is just continues to be impressive. It's not an outlier in terms of like one performance when it was like the Ohio State game. People are making wild accusations online of what's happening at halftime. Uh, it's it's hilarious. It is so great to see. I I could never have anticipated this from Jesse Minter when the season started. No. I mean, we thought he'd be good, the continuity coming over from that Ravens system, but you could make an argument that he's been better, or maybe it's the fact that the players were more comfortable with it. I don't know. And frankly, I don't care. I don't care if it's Minter. I don't care if it's the familiarity with the system. I'm just glad that it's happening. And I want to touch on some of the players that we watch, as we do every time, but let me go ahead and start with somebody. Um, William Johnson. First of his name. I don't know what his middle name is. I don't care. I've adopted him legally. The paperwork has already been submitted. The man, the, he's 18 years old, but he strides like a jaguar who's pulling a Barbary stag up a tree. Like the way he moves out there at the cornerback position, he's the best player, arguably, on defense outside of Mozzie Smith. He is the star that we've been waiting for. This is no longer a no star defense because he has emerged as a star. Like you could say it's a little early, but I'm going to go ahead and say we're already there. Two picks in the Big Ten championship game. But this has been coming for about, what would you say, four or five weeks, I think is. And we've we've switched who is the best cornerback on our team. It started out as Turner. Jamon Green had about three, four weeks there. Then it was Turner again, and it's been Will Johnson for like the last four or five. And I don't think he's given it up. He is going to be maybe the best player on the defense next year. We'll see what Mason Graham, the other freshman, has to say. But this dude's a star. The no-star defense is done. Yeah, he is just such a revelation how much better he's gotten. We saw it against Marvin Harrison Jr. last week. He's even just taken the cerebral step in this game. His uh, pass interference was perfect. He was beat. That is what you do. do That is what you do. Yank him to the ground. Don't give up a touchdown because you made a mistake. Like he's mitigating his mistakes. That's a huge thing. And I am going to like this corner discussion was only boundary corners. We do not mean any slander towards Mikey Sanger still. Just want to clear that up. And also officially returning next year. High five. Let's go. Feel good. Just got to do that in person. That was nice. (laughs) Feel good about that. But yes, this emergence gives you a shutdown presence on the outside. This is going to be the matchup with Quentin Johnson against TCU. 
Yes. So you go from Marvin Harrison Jr. to Charlie Jones, who you and I both kind of like. And we were kind of weird, weird energy. We were talking about Charlie Jones. With <laughs> I there. love this kid. It's like, just like very handsome. Just like looks like he knows how to cook a steak. Watch him put the zone here. He settles down. Like, guys, guys, stop. I'm gonna invite him over to help me decorate. Olivia's like, no, 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 no. no, no. Uh, but he, and then he's got Quentin Johnston again in TCU. And Quentin Johnston will be, if not the first, the second wide receiver taken. I think he's extremely good, but compared to Julio Jones. And I have complete faith that's who they're going to match up against him when they can. Like, so that tells you what, you know, they think of him on the defensive and clink scale and those guys. They think he is their best cornerback because they're already, you know, saying as much by who they put him out there against. Um, I just don't have enough good things to say about him at this level. It's better than any freshman cornerback I've seen at this level. It's a very difficult position to come in at 18 years old and then to match up against guys that are going to be in the NFL next year and to do it admirably and to do it to like the point you're shutting these guys down. Like this is not hyperbole and forgive me for what I'm about to say. The only comp I can think of is like young Woodson. Felt that one yeah. got, got me. T- that's how he's playing because he's like, coming into a defense that is so complex, so versatile, and he's been getting better every game and getting more on his plate. And like you said, this murderer's row of receivers he's guarding against, like Quentin Johnson is going to be the top receiver taken perhaps in this draft. Marvin Harrison Jr. would be if he was going. Yeah. So he's already faced that level of talent. Charlie Jones is going to be an NFL player, and he's just getting better. Man, he's only scratching the surface. He is a teenager. So, I mean, sky's the limit, and it was nice having just a national coming out party for him when it mattered the most. 100%, man. And the freshman core, let's just expand this to all the freshmen on the defense, is maybe the most impressive I can remember in its totality. Is there one that stands out to you that's more impressive? Freshmen contributing and contributing in this manner to something to this level of success it is insane man when you just look at the pieces even if you expand it to freshmen and sophomores like with what this defense is and what it's become like such with the three and four star kids it is I, I can never remember such a youthfully good defense junior colson quietly had 15 tackles rod moore had 14 <laughs> they're both true sophomores and mason graham continues to explode on the inside jalen harrell has also i mean just Flew onto the scene the last two weeks, had two sacks and this one, playing great in coverage. Just the defense feels like it's peaking at the right time. It most definitely does. Uh, real quick here, a little superlative. Rank the most important defensive freshmen in order. You've got, obviously, Will Johnson, Mason Graham that we discussed, Derek Moore, uh, Jimmy Rolder should be mentioned as well. Um, and then you can throw in some other guys in there that we haven't seen yet. Keon Sab, who we'll eventually see. That's true. Zeke Barry's another Zeke one. Zeke Barry, we're going to see him. Yeah. Um, rank them. It would be number one, Will Johnson, because the secondary needs a star like him and a big bodied star like him. Number two, Mason Graham. Number three, Jimmy Rolder, especially with Khalil Mullings going back to running back full time now, who we'll get to. And then after that, Derek Moore, who has been just an awesome rotational piece, had two or three pressures in this one. He and McGregor both did. And then after that, you can get into the uh, the Kenneth Grants of the world. But I mean, no disrespect to Kenneth Grant, the man is a mountain. It's just yeah. like there's so much depth on the interior there. He's finally he's finding his niche, and he's going to be a force in the years to come. That's insane. That's like five names we just mentioned that we're like, yeah, those guys are going to be really good next year, and they're freshmen. That just <laughs> So, yeah, to answer my own question, there is no team that I can recall that had this many freshman players. And, yeah, expanding it to freshman and sophomore, never. And they're doing it without the defensive lineman of the year in the Big Ten and Mike Morris. 
Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Like over the last couple of games, people have just stepped up. It's like, all right, you know, he's out. Jalen Harrell, who's I believe a redshirt sophomore, though, right? He's year three. He's, uh, he's yeah, he's year three. Or he has another year or so left. But yeah, yeah he's been in the system. Got I mean, he outsnapped David Ojabo last year in the Big Ten championship. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Wild man. So yeah, not to, to move into next year when we're still in the heat of the battle this year. But uh, speaking of that, yeah, you mentioned Mikey Sane was still officially returning as well. So just add that to the secondary. Good Lord. And Michael Barrett's suspected to come back for his fifth years. Well, I love this announcement. But Mikey Senior still came the same day Jim Harbaugh dispelled any rumors of him going to the NFL. That is not a coincidence. Jim Harbaugh says he's going to be here enthusiastically coaching the Wolverines in 2023, and Mikey's going to be there too. And just from like the player's perspective or, you know, me looking at the player's perspective, this is probably a really good call because he could easily earn his way into an NFL draft pick. Probably would get drafted now, but it'd be late and it'd be a flyer. You do what you did this year for an entire season and they have that much tape on you. You're for sure getting drafted because it's not like he's 5'10". He's like he's six feet, yeah, he's six foot. He'll for sure get drafted. Todd McShay made your exact point on the broadcast this past week at the halftime show. And he said, um, you remember how Richard Sherman switch positions late and then went over he said if, if Sanderson should be a fifth or a sixth round pick this year but now that he's coming back he can work his way up into the middle tier show some more tape get some more turnovers I've never thought this was going to be his trajectory but I couldn't be enjoying it more and I think he could be a boundary corner. Is that what we do next year? He's six foot. Why not put him at the boundary? I know he's great at the nickel and he yeah. does a lot of things that are not just cover guys. Yeah. Like he does a lot of things Dax Hillish and close to the line of scrimmage. That's, I think, the only reason you keep him there is because he's such a Swiss Army knife and does so many things in the interior, cleans it up. And then you need him because, I mean, just look at Ohio State with Emeka Abuka. Like you got to have a good slot cover guy, and Mikey is so good at that. I agree. The only pushback I might give is that, like, we've actually seemed to have better luck finding the nickels than we have finding boundary corners. And I think he could do the boundary corner and do it well. And we might be able to bring in one of Sav or Barry at that nickel role. I just have too many Brandon Watson flashbacks. <laughs> Fair enough. I think Zeke Barry uh, certainly clears Brandon Watson but already, but yeah, I'm with you, man. Uh, let's take a quick sponsor break and we'll move over to the offense. Support for this episode is brought to you by Manscaped. Whether you like it or not, the holidays and everything that comes with the holidays are coming quickly. That means repetitive, nonsensical, and dated music with questionable undertones rooted in bygone eras sung by pop stars of the 90s and 2000s. But it also means the joy of gift giving. And whether gifting to a lucky friend or to your two lucky friends dangling down below, Manscaped Platinum Package is sure to be the gift that keeps on giving. Look, Santa's known for his sack, and so too should you be. That's why you can get 20% off with your first purchase when you go to manscaped.com with the code MNB20. Look, the weather is getting cold. That means you are more likely to retreat to the warmth of the indoors, the warmth of your bedroom. You know what that can lead to. Why do you think there are so many babies born in September and October? It's ridiculous. Make sure that when cold weather leads to something a little steamier, you are proud of the way that you're presenting yourself down there, gentlemen. Manscaped Platinum Package 4.0 is the one-stop shop for the man who deserves it all. Everything you need to deck the halls, to face the balls, just in time for mistletoe season. Platinum Package has each product from the best-selling Performance Package Plus, Ultra Premium Body Wash, Ultra Premium 2-in-1, and Ultra Premium Deodorant. It's the best way to smell fresh from your Santa hat to your candy cane. The Lawnmower 4.0 Body Trimmer and the Weed Whacker Nose and Ear Hair Trimmer feature proprietary advanced skin-safe technology to protect your delicate parts. 
both parts are waterproof, so no issue clearing the snow out of your driveway there. Now that you've groomed your candy cane, it's time to make sure you don't smell like a reindeer with the Platinum Package Shower products. All of Manscaped shower gear is sulfate-free, vegan, and made to have your skin feeling hydrated and smelling fresh. Smelling good doesn't stop at the shower. The Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant and Crop Reviver Ball Toner can solve stink problems all day long. Once they touch your sack, you'll never go back. Platinum Package 4.0 sitting under the tree is guaranteed to put anyone in the holiday spirit. The perfect stocking stuffer, the brand new body buffer, an incredible body scrubber that makes exfoliating easy. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code MNB20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code MNB20. Manscaped, get your jingle balls ready for the holidays. All right, coming back uh, on the offensive side, do I need to start with another freshman? <laughs> like we just talked do about it. Cole. Yeah, like Colston Loveland touchdown was maybe the most excited I got all day. We've had Donovan Edwards, who's doing crazy things, 872 yards rushing, seven touchdowns on the season. But 574 of those yards and five of the touchdowns have come in the three biggest games. So Edwards, like, we're going to give him his due. But J.J. McCarthy, Colston Loveland, early on in this one, getting the story, the scoring going, that was my favorite play of the game. I mean, the first drive of the game, I think they have three third-down conversions, just very timely plays and opportunities. And then for J.J., just to look into double coverage, see an 18-year-old running into it, and just throws it down. I mean, with I mean, great accuracy. He puts it in the best position you could imagine. And Colson goes up there and just snags it. It does everything right. You and I were discussing this about how many things he did right in a split second. And you just don't see that from freshmen. How good can he be? Like, I feel like I'm maybe becoming a bit homerish. I mentioned Charles Woodson in the same breath as Will Johnson earlier. But, you know, I'll put a little settled down juice on that. I'm just saying I don't know who else to compare it to. I don't know who else to compare Colson Loveland to other than Jake Butt. Am I going too far there? No, that's absolutely the comp, especially right now. And you look at all the reps he's gotten this season and how much better he's gotten throughout the year, just like Will Johnson. Like He was always a pretty decent blocker, but now he's become slightly pulverizing at times. He has some of the best hands on the team, just a very soft touch for his size, and he moves remarkably well. I think if you didn't compare him to Jake Butt, you would just be setting the bar too low. Like He's not, I mean, not Nate Shanley out there. Right, and he uh, he went out in this game, so we had to move back to Scoonmaker, who had a touchdown catch of his own. Uh, also, the two-point conversion. Oh, God. God. Two-point conversion, man. Uh, yeah, please, if you wish to cook, cook. Two-point conversion. Some people were wondering online why the center could snap the ball and then go out for the route. It's because he was the last person on the line of scrimmage. Just, again, just remarkable play design. And then it rolls out where J.J. can score in his exact close. You got Schoonmaker right there. I got to throw him the ball. It's like, exactly. I mean – I mean, the play was just sexy. That's the only way I can describe it. Some of the formations that they trotted out in this one, I'm pretty sure that they had like eight offensive linemen and Bredesen and a schoonmaker out there in one of these. They had Trente Jones lined up at the H-back. Yeah, like I'm pretty sure I saw like a Ryan Hayes eligible pass catcher thing. Like it was wild. This is remarkable and just shows the depth of the offense that they hadn't unveiled throughout the year. Just kind of sitting on some things, getting better, getting them repped, and just seeing this creativity from like a, a physical like cloud of dust kind of offense. Offense is remarkable. I mean, just look back to the Maryland game compared to now. 
Yeah. And I mean, you kind of made this point we were discussing and I'll make it again because I think it's worth noting that these extra games like, you know, you always get the bowl game and you get that extra bowl practice. But now you're getting the Big Ten championship. Now you're getting bowl practice and then potentially another week of practice. And look how much it's benefiting the freshmen. You see Colson Loveland getting better and better. Will Johnson getting better and better. So like the youth of this team is being allowed reps, being allowed opportunities to grow. And you're just seeing it. And like that's the other part of it is they're being allowed opportunities to grow as coaches and to try more shit, just try more <laughs> random stuff on the field. Well, look at Khalil Mullings is now RB2 and had two rushing touchdowns that come in from? the Big Ten Championship. Uh, randomly, I think he's going to be a guy for us next year too. I love Khalil Mullings. Yeah. If you're that willing to come in here and then throw the pass against Ohio State and then come back to play like our big physical running back, it's like, Son Haskins light. I was just going to say, like, look at the guys that have moved both sides and then come back. Like Haskins moved and then came back. Sainer still moved, came back, and now Mullings is doing it. So I'm going to go ahead and go with the history here and, and think Mullings might be our, like, you know, short yardage back, goal line back next year because we need it. Like, we were looking at Braylon Allen, the transfer portal. We'll talk transfers later. So, yeah, he might be that dude. This would be great because it takes some of the pressure off. C.J. Snokes next year gives you a nice three-headed balanced attack for all situations. But Donovan Edwards, man, like I saw the stat today where he led all running backs in rushing yards in the championship games. His yards after contact were second. <laughs> And, you know, we said this about Corum coming into this year. We're like, well, we're going from Haskins to Corum. Like, it's going to be great, but it's going to be more speed and less power. And then this year was like, oh, no, like Corum can hit you and drive that pie. Like, it was a lot like Haskins. And then you saw it again with that run, that touchdown run in particular. I think it was his first touchdown run from about like 12 out, 14 out, something like, like that. 30 out. Oh, yeah, you're right. Just because like, yeah, he got hit after like 12. He, he got hit by seven people on that play and scored. And yeah, like once again, I mean, we, we need to start shouting out Ben Herbert more. If Harbaugh shouts him out and like you're starting to see it and I see why, things like that. Things like, oh yeah, maybe Donovan Edwards will be a lead back next year because we said Corum wouldn't be. Look how durable he was. I know he did end up going out, but like 11 games of 22 carries a game is like durable. I'm sorry. Yeah, and the fact that Edwards is doing this with one hand right now, <laughs> one hand, and he's come on like gangbusters, especially the biggest moments of the year with 170 three against Penn State, the 220 whatever against Ohio State, and then over 180 in the Big Ten Championship. He's just getting warmed up, and as you saw, like, one of the first runs of the second half, he had the cut on the outside guy that had contained and just left him hopeless. There was absolutely nothing he could do, and I mean, the Edwards coronation these last two weeks has just been delightful to watch. I mean, we knew we had him. We saw it last year, and then this year, it kind of just felt like we were saving him a little bit i mean the, the injuries there's no way injuries line up well but this the, the fact that we were able to kind of keep him out early on and keep those legs fresh is proving dividends because we didn't have him right now like you and i did say that after quorum went out we didn't have edwards after illinois we're like we don't think we can do it without our running backs we have a lot of belief in this team but without a, a primary number one back i just don't see it you have to have a number one but we gave mullings love this goes back to isaiah gash converting a fourth down against illinois like, may not even be here if he doesn't make that catch. So the whole room, and Mike Hart especially, shout out to him for just lifting up everybody in that room to make a contribution this season. Uh, but moving to the outside, first off, I have to say this. Roman Wilson got screwed on that replay. If you take that long to review a pass, like, he caught, like, come on. 
Yeah. Replay is so silly. It is so dumb. And if you're going to take that long and if it's that close, you stick with the call. Exactly. That's how I was always taught is that like, if it's close, let's keep the game moving. Yeah. Stick with the call. And like, wouldn't you as an official want to stick with your initial call? Wouldn't you want your gut instinct to be proven right? If there was an over under for how long the game lasted, the officials definitely had the over. God, that was the worst broadcast I've ever watched. Yeah. I'm glad that you brought it first quarter. Yeah. And so at halftime, like, you know, it was terrible, obviously, but I was switching back and forth between Clemson and North Carolina. Halftime started the exact same time. They were like, I don't know, five plays in and we were just doing the damn Dr. Pepper challenge in our halftime. What is this? What am I watching? was completely it just took you out of the game like yeah i i also had a watch party over here and a lot of people were like you know getting restless because it was being drug out by replays commercials sponsor break so that needs to be changed something has to be done about this to make the process a little bit smoother but back on the field besides the roman wilson what you have here the ronnie bell touchdown it was a third and 11 and just the inside the red zone oh my god that throw yeah, we'll do this uh, in the off season because we'll have to go back and rewatch everything. We'll kind of like rank the throws or do something where we talk about some of our best throws. This one's going to be discussed uh, because of the moment, too. Also, uh, reminds me a little bit of Michigan State a few years ago where you get the big interception and then the back-breaking throw where Shea Patterson stepped up and delivered an absolute right to Nico. to Nico, and that was like shutting the door. I think that's what shut the door in this game as well. That is a huge momentum shift. And props to JJ and Ronnie for that connection because that was just NFL stuff. Just, I mean, you look back at his throw last week to Loveland against Ohio State where he dropped it in the bucket. Like, he is peaking at the right time. We talked about the defense, but JJ is in the most important position. He had the dumb interception, but it makes you feel good because it was just a dumb interception. Like, that's all it was. It was just dumb and silly. And you can easily get past that. So, I mean, he's still leading into this game, had as many interceptions on the year as CJ Stroud did in the game. So, yeah, we'll leave that there. But uh, he was tremendous in this one. Again, the way he throws on the run, either direction, especially to his left, though, is remarkable. Yeah, it was the first egregious interception. If you go back and look at the other two, uh, I remember one of them being on the receiver, and then I think one of them was either tipped or— It was the, it was the Penn State fluky one that oh, went yeah, up right before half. Yeah. yeah, yeah, then the one was the tipped fluke one. Yeah, and then there's this one. And this was 100% a quarterback that was feeling himself over the last couple of weeks. It was like, anything I do will succeed. I will take Gunslinger, though, over misread the oh. defense a thousand percent. Ten times out of ten, and like the stuff Shea Patterson would do, like, Your yeah, Lord. just put the ball on the deck in key moments this dude doesn't if it wasn't a key moment when we turned it over he has better ball security now than Cade McNamara did last year yeah, that's what I'm screaming man. <laughs> yeah like oh, we'll get into that we'll get into that we'll talk about those guys uh anything else from this game that you wanted to talk about or just like your thoughts in general about the fact that we're back-to-back big 10 champions it's great it is um, 25 wins in two years man this is it is ridiculous. Um, I will say special teams needs to tighten up a little bit on the punt coverage. The the fake punt there got barely got the first down. Need to just tighten some things up around the hinges. But, like, this game was perfect. Like, you did more than enough to win. You have a ton of stuff to work on. Job's not finished. Job is not finished. Uh, little quick aside on special teams. Has Brad Robbins lost like 12 yards on average punt distance? It certainly seems like it. It feels like he's just rushing it so he doesn't get blocked. So he's like sacrificing technique. He needs to speed it up. Like you need to be just one step boot and get it out of there with a good hang time. He's still getting good hang time, but the distance is lacking. 
Yeah, for sure. And I mean, we haven't had to punt a ton, but I mean, there's been some times where it could have really flipped the field on us. We just expect more from a man with that uh, mustache I slash wonder, lack of hair. I wonder if the backup long snapper being in is losing speed on the ball back and that's costing him some more time. If anyone would know, it'd be you. Like, I love that you've got like <laughs> over there with like a magnifying glass and some spreadsheets. Like I've been working on a theory that it's actually the long snapper. Well, Wagner's out for the year because I mean, he got hurt yeah. the same week as uh, Caden Colazar. Well, I will say of special teams, it is so much like repetition mechanics. Yes. Like, yeah, it's it's very much just like you do a thing a million times and get into the – so like timing does matter very much. I will say We're that. also nitpicking though. <laughs> Talking about long snapping long speed. <laughs> what a way to go into commercial. <laughs> speed of the long snap. Yeah, one more thing. Actually, I do. <laughs> yes, I do. Quite critical actually. Can't believe we haven't brought it up to this point. Oh, man. All right. Sir, let's uh, take a break. When we come back, man, there's just so much to talk about. We had a lot more we wanted to get into, but there's just too much news. Uh, we're not going to break down TCU. We've got a couple weeks here to do this, but we got transfer portals. We got players announcing a senior bowl. We've got a little bit of the college football picture. A lot we can talk about. We'll be back right after this. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, coming back. I love that uh, being in the same room, we can just talk about any sort of absolute nonsense and then switch right over to Greg Crippen because that's what we're about to do. But <laughs> not in particular Greg Crippen, but Michigan football and the college football playoff picture. Uh, as you all know right now, Michigan is in at number two versus number three TCU. Ohio State backdoors their way on in versus Georgia, so good luck with that. So everything is set. Uh, we're not going to preview the matchup of two versus three. We'll do that in the coming weeks, but give me like your 30,000-foot view of this matchup against TCU. A uh, very good matchup for Michigan. I like the way we uh, pair, uh, face against them in the line on the line of scrimmage. I like their skill position against our secondary strength versus strength. Max Duggan is a dog, and it's going to be a great matchup. Uh, was there any argument for Ohio State? Absolutely not. Absolutely, I'm just going to interrupt you right there. You should not be penalized when you're undefeated playing in your conference championship game. They should hold it. Ohio State backdoored their way in. This is correct. You do not get to backdoor your way into a rematch. If you do backdoor in, you should have somebody like number one Georgia waiting for you. Like, that's how it should work. So, at least the football gods uh, took notice here and uh, did not let this one go astray. Yeah, if they beat Georgia, I'm more than happy to welcome a rematch. Would have taken it now. I'm not running from anybody, but it's like Marvin Harrison Jr. and approve your merit. 
Here's Kelly Ringo, best corner in football. Best of luck. Let's go. I hope they win. We know we can beat Ohio State. We do not yet know if we can beat Georgia. That's so facts. Let's go. Yeah, bring them all again. We'll beat them a third time. We beat them twice in the same season in the national championship. Ryan Day is not the head coach next year. Well, I'm telling you right now. They already want him fired, and then they backdoor their way in, and everyone's like, you're afraid. I'm like, all right, what is it? Do you want your coach fired, or are we afraid to face you? Because y'all don't want to see us. Well, we just did, and we beat you by 20 two in your house and you scored three points in the second half so so we don't want to see you in la yeah like i'm telling you i'll go to la you think i'm gonna go to la i'll be there i'm going there we're leaving there with something i'm, I'm, leaving, I'm leaving with something vaughn you better get us there because i'm leaving with something uh but that brings me to a point that i wanted to make is that uh, should they win the rematch would be set up and that would be insane for the national championship but even if it doesn't happen here it's going to happen, you know, with realignment coming, with the expansion of the Big Ten, uh, the expansion of the playoff now likely happening in 2024. Not only is a rematch going to happen, there's the potential for three times in one year with the dissipation of divisions. So I think whether we like it or not, it's time to get used to this idea. It's it's too much, man. You and I are maybe cut from an older cloth when it comes to these things, but I like that the game is only played once a year. I love that. It's because you have to wait all year to get your revenge. And now with 12 teams, it feels like rematches are inevitably going to happen more and more. And with divisions going away, it could happen in back-to-back -back weeks, which just – I don't know. It kind of oversaturates the rivalry for me. I like that it was once a year. It made it very special that time of the year. But, I mean, such are the times. And I guess I have to adapt. There's nothing you can do about it. But this is going to happen where you're going to get really excited about it. One team is going to win. And then they're going to meet in the Big Ten Championship. And the other team's going to win. And it's going to be this, like, well, we won the one that mattered. So it's like, well, then did our November 25th, our pre-Thanksgiving, you know, did that not even matter? Like, what are we doing here now? I certainly don't want it to get to that, but that's that's just where we're headed. And you brought up a great point that people really complained in the BCS era. They're complaining in the college football playoff era. They're for sure going to complain when, you know, this next change happens. And, and I might be among the people that complain. I'm kind of okay with the way things are now. Uh, but man, three times in one year, I don't even know if my heart could take that. What do you mean four loss pit is not getting in the 12 seed? What do you mean? It is just, it is getting more and more absurd. No one's ever going to be 100% happy. You and I had joked throughout the college football playoff reveals about how silly it was. Like, Can you believe this team is six? Like, guys, it does not matter yet. It does not. And it's funny, the very, I think it was the second week of rankings right after Georgia beat Tennessee. These were the same four teams in the playoff that are in there now, just in a different order. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's wild to think about. Yeah, and the expansion is something that I've been pro for a while. And uh, I will say that I'm maybe starting to come around on that a little bit because uh, we've had a couple years now of the playoff. And we're starting to see, you know, there's a bigger track record, more results that we can parse through here. That's part of it. Uh, but then again, the other part of me thinks that this year there's not really a clear standard setter there's not really an elite team right now so maybe this would be the year that the number 12 team who i don't even know who number 12 is penn state would be in there they're at number eight so 12 is probably somebody it would like have been lsu or would somebody. have been to lane the high, highest g5 team would get in the last spot if they're not in the top 12 there you so go. like to lane versus bama 
right. Like, are we really missing out on a lot? Like, it's kind of interesting. And like, maybe that gets Bama to not sit all their players because they're like, but then maybe they're like, well, we can get through Tulane without it. And it's weird because when we expand to 12, all of the conference champions are going to get automatic spots and other people will get, you know, pushed down. So in that format, Ohio State would be a six seed but now we're pushing them up to four. So like the alignment's gonna like just change how we're viewing it. So the whole system does seem to be flawed. I don't have the answer for what it should be. Um, I just know like my preference is not facing Ohio State three times a year. <laughs> just, for the, just for the sake of like the rivalries, like I don't know, just the historical aspect of it. It's funny because like this year would have been the perfect year for the BCS. Because you had two undefeated teams at the end of the year. I mean, it very seldom works out that way, but it's one of the years where it's like, you have two 13-0 teams. They should face the national championship, and they very well could at 14-0. But it's just like, it leaves a lot of doors open. I mean, historically speaking, there have been blowouts in the first round of the semifinals, so it shouldn't change much this year. But it's like, you really think you're going to get that many upsets in college football when your teams have weeks to prepare a five versus 12 thing. Nick Saban's going to lose the Tulane in Tuscaloosa. It's not going to happen often, but then like there is going to be the one year it happens where you're going to be like, see, thank God we got Boise state in for that classic game against, you know, whatever it ends up being. Yeah. But I would say that more times than not, uh, this is going to play out just the way Vegas would see it. And that's going to be that the, the favorites win the vast majority of the time, especially when you're going up against like the, the top four, the the top of the bell curve here where the talent is really concentrated, and that's it, the Bama's, Georgia's, Michigan's, Ohio State's, Clemson's. It's the fans of the mid-teams that really like this expansion because they don't have a chance because they drop several games throughout the year and they get in there. But it's like, you know, you and I now, unfamiliar with being mid because we are front-running 25 wins in two seasons. Never heard of it. Never even heard of it, never considered the expansion. Like, if these are the teams that are going to be heard at the top, and I know you're trying to invite parity, but it's like you're just playing a little bit more, playing more games. Like, I don't know. It's, I hope it works out. I was really like shooting for eight teams, so that would be the ideal solution. But, you know, I guess beggars can't be choosers. I'm sitting there clamoring for eight, and I got 12. Right. Yeah. And in this format, we would have had a buy. So, I mean, that would be cool, I guess. But then we're just waiting even longer for football. So we have a month off in between games. Like, cool. Yeah, like, Love that. Yeah. I don't know. It, it's, it's weird, man. But we'll see where it goes. Um, all right. So moving on. Senior Bowl players have been announced. And the reason that that matters is this is generally an indicator of players that intend to go pro. It's not always the case. This does not mean they've you know declared or anything. Just an indicator. And that's Ryan Hayes. Olu Oluwatimi and Ronnie Bell. Surprised by any of these? That makes sense. Anybody that you thought you'd see there? Thought I'd see Luke Schoonmaker there. I don't see that. And that makes me very happy for what we're about to talk about. But no, like, you know, Hayes and Ronnie both could have come back. And, you know, you'd love to see them come back for what they're doing. Ronnie's little brother, Aaron, is coming to Michigan next year. Ryan Hayes has really solidified the blind side of the offensive line. But they feel like they're ready and want to make the jump. They've done more than enough at Michigan. I wish him nothing but the best. Yeah, I would agree. Olu uh, going makes perfect sense to me. He got shafted by the uh, All-American. And I mean, I think he was a All-Big Ten at least. But yeah, he should. Yeah, yeah he should. He be was second team All-Big Ten behind the Minnesota the guy. guy with three yeah, names. Who was, yeah, the, the All-American there. Three-namer. So, so he got screwed there. But as far as an NFL draft prospect, yep, for sure. He's there. Shouldn't go beyond the second round. So that makes perfect sense to me. Ronnie Bell, I don't know where he would get drafted or if he would get drafted. It was a weird year for our wideouts. Nobody had a great year. He was 
our leading wide out and the one I trusted the most. But did he ever really break a game open? Did he ever seem like a true number one? That's questionable. And then Ryan Hayes, who we talked about a few weeks ago, uh, the week that you were out, I thought that his draft his profile has dropped from coming in. We had him a first round grade coming in. I don't know where I'd grade him now. I'll probably put him in the fifth, like in the middle rounds. And I really think he's going to like take off. I mean, I think where you saw well too. Yeah. He's going to test all Michigan players test extremely well. So I think you'll see him in the similar ranges, like Andrew Stuber, somebody like that. I, He'll definitely stay outside. He's huge, isn't he? Yeah, he's big. He's six seven. He's a converted tight end. So, yeah, yeah, so he'll stay on the outside. Ronnie, I'm not sure if he'll get drafted or not. Maybe a late round flyer for a special teams guy, but I just don't see him developing into that kind of guy at the next level. Me neither, but I also see why he's going. He had a bad knee injury in what I thought was going to be a big year. And this year, I don't think he lost a lot of explosion. Like he still looked pretty good. Like we never really got to see him at his absolute apex. Yeah. So I don't know if he lost some from that knee injury. He still has good hands. Um, I'm just trying to think of a comp of somebody like him who did get drafted, did go on to have like a fairly successful career. Like Jehu Chesson and Darbo both, you know, landed on teams. Struggled, injuries struggled. and everything else. But like, would you take Ronnie Bell over either of them? It's really tough, man, because Ronnie can be a very feast or famine guy at times, like with his hands. Like he can make a crazy one-handed one, but also drop like yeah. your average crosser. Uh, after the catch, he is special, so maybe he could catch on as a returner somewhere because we've seen that ability flash several times. So I think that's where he would land at the next level if he can land. Yeah, he was a really smart wide receiver, but we're also comparing that to a bunch of guys like Andrew Anthony who had no idea what he was doing out there with the position. He's no cover two from cover 15. <laughs> and at the next level, like understanding when to sink into the zone and stuff, that's the bare minimum. Great what point. you need to know so like the stuff that ronnie did really well for us is like the bare minimum of what they're expecting at the next level they want you to be able to break a game open make contested catches and as much as it pains me to say it i, I don't know that we've seen that from him so i would suggest he probably comes back um but i like i said i get why he's going um let's move over to the transfer portal this is going to be an interesting discussion we've, we've, got, <laughs> incoming, we've got some outgoing uh, you want to start with the good news, and then and then we'll we'll deal with the bad news, or how do you want to do this? Let's start with the salty before we get into the sweet. Let's talk about our uh, our dearly departed trio of players. We'll go from least important to most notable. Uh, Louis Hansen, tight end. Your thoughts, Louis Hansen? Uh, forgot he was on the team. <laughs> The depth that tight end has really, really blown up recently, and Colston Loveland will do that. It'll make you forget that this guy was a full star. So will Max Bredesen. Max Bredesen, you're getting higher and higher on mm -hmm. his Bredesen clan, and his snaps are really good. And if uh, you want to be like a tight end that Jim Harbaugh plays a lot, why don't you start by blocking well? And, Number one. And then earn your way from there, and then you'll get some receptions down the road. Um, and Lewis Hansen, my guess would be, was not blocking well to get beat out by Max Bredesen and Colston Loveland and stuff. And if you don't do that at Michigan, you're not going to get on the field. So um, this is like, no, I do wish him the best. I have nothing bad to say about him. Uh, but Loveland's a star. So. Yeah. Louis Hansen's appeared in three games. Yeah. So well, why <laughs> this is the most we've ever talked about him. Let's move I, on. Yeah, we'll keep it going. Uh, we'll, we'll pair these next two together because it appears they're him headed to the same destination. And that is former starting quarterback Cade McNamara and former starting tight end Eric Hall seem to both be heading to the Iowa Hawkeyes. Let me take a sip of my beer before we begin discussing this because I need it. This 
Oh, man. Like the first one we saw Cade transfer, didn't post the goodbye wishes to the Michigan faithful. Just the announcement moved on. It's like, okay, you know, just business. Didn't say anything after the Ohio State game, whatever. And then Eric All, we know they're close, uh, was at the Ohio State game, got a special waiver. But then departs with not so happy words about the program, perhaps being misled, lied to. There's a lot of speculation out there regarding his health status. We're not going to go into that. But what are your what is your takeaway from this whole situation? Without speculating on the reasons behind it, but taking what we have as you know evidence, I guess, I will do my best. And it seems like this stems from the Cade McNamara demotion. They, as you said, they were really close. I agree with that. I think that it stems from that. And if that is what it stems from, and this is down to like promises were made, I don't know that I believe that for starters, because it's been a meritocracy since day one. I don't think even Will Johnson was guaranteed a spot. I think JJ was guaranteed a spot as a five-star recruit. Um, So if it was like just the fact that he was replaced, well, that doesn't really line up either because if you remember, because this was not that long ago, this was an open competition and Kate McNamara was given his chance and the numbers are staggeringly bad. I was at one of the games where he played. It was like the team was night and day. So that doesn't really make sense either. Uh, Both of these guys were captains at one point, uh, named captains coming into this year. Huge, huge pieces of what we did last year. So I'm just confused. And without going into speculation, if it all stems from just a demotion, I'm even more confused. It's it's so weird, man. I, I just I can't fully understand that. I never will because I doubt those details will ever emerge. But if it just stems from JJ McCarthy being named the starter, it's, it's, motion, it's, a, it's yeah. It's it's so you just got beat out. Yeah. You lost the job. People have eyes can tell you this. If you watch the Big Ten championship, JJ just does things that Cade cannot. He just has a limited ceiling. And like Michigan has scored on every first scripted drive of the season except two. You had the Cornelius Johnson fumble against Michigan State while the ball was moving. And the other one was Cade going three and out against Colorado State. Like Come on, man. I mean, it's just right there. I, I don't understand the sour grapes over like losing your job like that if that's what it's going to be. Because like you and I've talked about all season, like JJ is just better. That's all it is. I'm it's that's sports, the very definition of competition. So I think we both agree. There's no way like what he's complaining about is like we could have done better because literally you cannot do better than 13 and 0. And like if, yeah. you're, if you're trying to tell me Cade was going to go in there and set records and throw for 4,000 yards or Please something, uh, you're going to have to make a pretty compelling argument to me uh, in order to convince me of that. So that means this comes down to hurt feelings is kind of where I've landed on that. And all right, like I get the Cade McNamara hurt feelings, but you were still named a captain. You were still so important. There was a way to do this where you were still like the vocal leader. And maybe you didn't want to be a cheerleader. I get that. That could be seem embarrassing. But to the next team and to your ability to make it to the NFL, that would have really shown character. That would have shown leadership. That's just going to make other teams. That's going to really like impress coaches and things like that. And then for Eric All, I don't know what you're showing here. Loyalty to Cade McNamara, disloyalty to the program that made you who you are. It's just a weird lashing out that, frankly, is is unbecoming of a guy that we really liked. And I'm bummed by it. I, I have his it. jersey. I know you're bummed. <laughs> I, he was one of my favorite players of the year. And, like, 
never burn a bridge ever just for the sake of burning one because you never know you're going to need that person in whatever capacity because life is weird things always never never work out how you hope and like Cade's gonna like just tweeted he's gonna be in iowa city like the eighth i think like you could be with your team right now getting ready for this championship and leading on the sideline and by example but it's been out in la rehabbing i don't know it's weird i don't like it it's just I don't know. Maybe it's exposing true character. Maybe I don't understand the full story. I don't get what it is, but it's just a very, very strange look. Sucks. And it's a lame ending for guys like Eric all going into a pit and slaying a lion on a snowy day is one of our favorite Michigan memories. How weird is it though? Same amount of career touchdowns. Colston Loveland, Eric all. Yeah. So here's how we forget about it. <laughs> Let's just rearrange the letters on your Jersey into a Loveland. That's what we're going to do next. I'm going to buy a new, I'm not going to buy a new one, but you, 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 you know, the Loveland's coming. The you Loveland, know, yes. that's the Jersey next year is the Loveland for me. This is the human equivalent of the guy uh, looking at the girl walking down the road and uh, away from the jealous mm-hmm. girlfriend. That's what's happening here. Hey. Eric all walking to Iowa when I'm looking back at Loveland, like, look at my son over there. My son, <laughs> my sixth, seventh son. <laughs> but let's, let's let's get to the good news. We've had enough of that. We don't need to talk about them anymore. They're Iowa Hawkeyes. We'll discuss them again. I will before oh, you get to this though, is that actually gonna be like a dangerous Iowa connection? Is that gonna be a thing? We don't play them next year. I don't know how how many of their players leave from that elite defense. I know Jack Campbell's gone, which is the key yeah. cog. I mean, probably the best linebacker in, in Riley the, Moss is done. Too. I think Riley Moss is done. I don't know about DeGene, but I know they're gonna lose several key pieces. I think their receivers are also transferring out. I hope I kinda hope they suck. <laughs> It's not enough that our team is good. Others must Others fail. Others should fail. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, it's like, I hope he does good, kind of, but it's like these shots make it. Eh, eh. I hope you stay healthy and your career is long, but if you're well, five, and four, seven, five and seven, would be fine. <laughs> five and seven. You got Matt Roll coming in. You got Luke Fickle in town now. Five and seven is more good than enough. for you in Iowa. God, that is Iowa City. Come on. Get, Give me a break. But the good news from the transfer portal this past week is it just announced today, Arizona State guard slash tackle Ladarius Henderson is on his way to Ann Arbor. He is a four-year starter and team captain for the Sun Devils. 6'5", 310 pounds, one year remaining, which tells me, buddy, he wants to get drafted. So he's coming to the best offensive line room in the country. And no matter where we're going to lose like players from this season, whether it's Zach Zenter, Ryan Hayes, he can slide in and immediately compete for a starting position. Look, let me tell you about Ladarius Henderson. I've been a fan for about 19 <laughs> seconds when I just brought him up on Google. Uh, he was a three-star recruit coming from the Arizona State debacle with Herm Edwards. So there's going to be a lot of these guys where we're going to be able to come in and kind of pilfer some uh, other programs, guys. But this is a really good one. Like, we had obviously never heard of him. We do not follow Arizona State's guards. Uh, you know, we have lives, so we cannot possibly go <laughs> that deep on everybody's roster. But the fact that this brought us up to like the number one transfer like team right now, that's going to change. Trust me, like Colorado's about to land some dudes and they're going to jump up there. I know that for sure. Um, and then there's a lot of other guys. Like I'm, I'm kind of surprised Iowa isn't above us. Like so, that's it's kind of disrespectful. kind of disrespectful. That one guard we got's better than your your starting quarterback and your starting tight end next year. Deal with it. I don't know how the portal rankings no work. It makes no sense to me. Fugazi, Fugazi, it's a wazi, it's a woozy. But no matter what, everyone seems really high on this guy from a leadership standpoint, from an experience standpoint, and the fact that he announced it now, you have to assume he's going to be on campus in January. 
January. So that is just exciting news for an offensive line that regard no matter what is losing two pieces, perhaps three. So to bring somebody with right around 30 career starts in is massive for the room next year. Yeah. Uh, is that our time at center for Crippen? Do we need a center transfer or is it Crippen minutes? I, 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 you and I have been hyping up Greg Crippen. Three years. I think it has to be. He and JJ were high school teammates. Like you got, you got to get that connection at center. He can maybe slide in for Zenter if he departs. But if Zenter stays and then you have the, the tackle battle of Trente, Carson, and this new guy, oh boy. That's really nice. Oh, boy. That's really nice. Well, Carson, we know, can slide inside, too, and this guy yes. can slide inside. So that versatility is great. So really, you're just looking for a true tackle, which we may have on the roster, mm -hmm. or you're looking for a center if Crippen isn't that guy. So that's where you would look if you wanted one more. I like the way we've been recruiting. So I don't think it's a need. But where are you looking on this roster during this transfer frenzy that's occurring right now, where do you think we should be looking? Uh, a couple of places. I think we could definitely benefit from uh, some corner depth. Uh, most most things are depth, to be honest. So let me – these are really champagne problems. So running back depth, uh, corner depth, and wide receiver depth. No starters I, anywhere? You don't think we could use a starter somewhere? I think a starting wide receiver would be the one starter you'd go after. I agree with that. Um, you could look for, I mean, the way we use running backs, you could argue with the second starter at running back um, mm. because I don't know about Cole Cabana coming in as a freshman. Don't you don't you disrespect Khalil Mullings in my house. <laughs> <laughs> I literally am in your house. <laughs> I apologize. Uh, that's a very good point. But, like, we have not seen a ton of carries. But, like, we're just kind of buying into the pedigree and what we've seen from, uh, you know, Hassan Haskins and some other guys. I do like that, but yeah, I would look at running back just for maybe another guy to have there. Um, even if it's depth, that's fine. If you want to trust in Cole Cabana, Coel Mullings, Stokes, and those guys. Um, cornerback, like who's the second starter next year at Boundary if you want to keep Mikey at the nickel? Though? Well, I think uh, Jamon Green still has uh, he still has eligibility next year. And the Doesn't fact that he's not, the not didn't go to the senior bowl, so I, I'm leaning towards I think both Green brothers will be back. So I think it's Jamon. Could be Jamon. Do we want to try and upgrade that then? You, you there's, there's always the upgrade. Like we have a starter, but True. can you upgrade? It's I mean, Olu Olatimi, great Olu example. Is there so, any I mean, place you might want to upgrade? I would say I would back say you, running back is where I look. I would say you go in order of upgrades. I would go receiver, corner, running back. Receiver one. Totally yeah. agree, especially if Ronnie's going. Like, yes. This actually might be a, a need to uh, get. Darius Clemens could be him, though. Darius Clemens could be him, but even if Darius Clemens is him, I want one more guy. That's true. I'm, I'm because bad. like you and I are kind of out on Andrell. I'm not as out as you. I still think there's a player in there, but he's – we need a passing game coordinator. Yeah, I like the trio of receivers we have as freshmen. I like Amarion, I like Darius, and I like uh, um, Tyler Morris. I've, but, I've loved a ton of guys. Like Tyler but, Morris actually excites me more than any guy you just mentioned there. Yeah, he's just I want the I want, I'm like you. Though. I want the big sure, body guy because Morris is more of Mikey size, like six feet. I like so Darius Clemens. I would say has the highest ceiling of those guys because of his like just natural traits. Hmm. But I, I am, you know, I'm out on Andrell. So I'm, I see. I thought Andrell had the highest ceiling of any of those guys because we've seen him do like. Can you find a brain? <laughs> he, <laughs> look, I mean, for all we know, though, that is passing game coordinator. Like that's a fair. We point. don't know that yet. Like I don't know. I'd like to give him another year. I love the talent of some of the guys. These are all four stars: Morris, Andrell. Um, I don't know about a Mario. Andrell, Andrell is a three. Andrell was? He was a three. That's right. That's he was right. a three. Yeah. Also, if you can find a pair of hands, he could use those. Yeah, no doubt. So, yeah, we got to go <laughs> find a receiver. Um, we are having the guard in there. That's nice. On defense, like, would you hate a linebacker? 
it's it's so funny how far down that's come on my list. Just because you have both starters back next year, plus Nakai Hill Green, plus Jimmy Rolder. Yep, and it's like you have those four. So like that comes way down the other three. And if you'd asked me at the beginning of the year, that might have been the top of my list. Yep, I agree. We love our safeties. Love our safeties. Especially, I mean, even if Moten's gone, you still have Paige, Paige. and you have Zeke Berry Paige. waiting, yeah, yeah, waiting Paige in the wings. Some next year, I think. Yeah. And if not, like Paige needs to watch out because we both love Barry. Yeah, yeah, Barry is. I mean, he is. Ch- he's champing at the bit, and he have Rod Moore just holding down the starting position. So it's like it's great because you and I talked about this at the top about like the youth on this team, and it's carrying out through next year. So we're, what are we saying? Receiver, corner, running back. Those are the big targets right now. In that order. Yeah, with, with the fact that we have a lineman coming in now just to mix things up, and there's there's a lot of good running backs. There's two four stars in the portal right now. Actually, I would go receiver, running back, corner if Jamon comes back. If if Jamon comes back, I agree with you. Yeah. But no Jamon, receiver, no Jamon, corner. Yeah, yeah, yep, yep, agreed. Um, all right, so yeah, we'll be keeping an eye on this. Hopefully, next time we talk, like this will be a little bit more settled. The portal's kind of fun though because it just gives us something else to talk about. Free agency. <laughs> this is awesome. I dig it, man. Uh, Heisman finalists have been announced. This is without a doubt the most mid group of men that have ever been assembled in one room since the 1918 presidential election was that james k polk <laughs> james, this is the james k polk election that was the wilson election hey, okay it's your history right it's your history right here uh the, the heisman finalists are caleb williams who's listed number one here which i do not agree with cj stroud at two yeah. i don't agree with that either duggan at three who i guess of these three would be my pick and then stetson bennett your boy wearing boat shoes to a wealthy lawyer somewhere and he's 27 years old stunting on 18 year olds out there <laughs> no i am not a stetson bennett guy but that's our four this is a really weak four this is bad man there needs to be a rule that is probably only limited to two quarterbacks and you you Something. invite some pair what is this like it, it is probably the most forgettable heisman debate since the Toby Gerhardt, Mark Ingram, one of 09. But even then, it was two running backs. So it was more compelling. But, like, now this is just – it feels so redundant. I feel like Caleb Williams' votes were cast two weeks ago. He's already locked in. I would vote for Max Duggan as well. I I love what he did in that – I mean, he poured his heart out in that game. He's an experienced guy that's really worked through everything to get where he is today. So my vote would be him. But if you're going to bet money, put it on Caleb. I would have rather seen Jalen Carter or something for that would Georgia. be awesome. Like that's more he, he's more Kelly Ringo, like, the corner from Georgia. Somebody put up a, a good point about him getting in there. That like, what is Tennessee's season without Hendon Hooker, and what's Georgia's if you put Hendon Hooker on on the Georgia team? And I, I really agree with that because as soon as Hendon Hooker went out, Tennessee looks like a completely different team. Hey, Joe Milton, what are you talking about? <laughs> Well, maybe I should I should clarify here. Putting Joe Milton is actively being bad, but like that is a that is a complete opposite scenario as Hendon Hooker. But like, I just feel like Shea Patterson could probably take Georgia where they're at right now. I believe that. Uh, I'm with you on that. That's a great point. And also, Stetson Bennett and Lamar Jackson are both 25. So that's what I'm screaming. This this guy's closer to age to me. And he's out there like, yeah, kid. It's more like he's like knocking the tray out of a freshman's hand like after lunch. It's even if you, I mean, look at what Michael Penix means to Washington. People like that. I know it's not a valuable award. It's the outstanding, but that's semantics. Like talk about Jalen Carter, Kelly Ringo, Will Anderson on Alabama. Right. Just all these outstanding players at different positions. We need to just look outside of quarterback numbers. You need to look at purpose and like what they're doing. And like being outstanding doesn't always show up in the stat sheet. I think that is either two awards then, or it's like redefining the Heisman. Oh, did you see Cardell? 
Cardell Jones. For, we all know Cardell Jones. Sure do. Respond to um, Desmond Howard. I did not. What did he have to say for himself? He responded uh, something to because Desmond Howard was criticizing it about being the Davey O'Brien Award, basically. And uh, Cardell said, just make sure there's no cute comments about this. Like, it's a very special moment to them and all this once in a lifetime. And Desmond's like, oh, it's very special? It's once in a lifetime? Do you know who you're talking to? And basically just, like, made him look safe. He's like, maybe you should use more school next time. And ended it with that. It was fantastic because Cardell just talking out of turn, not understanding that Desmond Howard is a Heisman winner, and it just shows how soft the Buckeye fan base and alumni is. If you can't take a little ribbing of Aiden Hutchinson and C.J. Stroud last year, oh, oh I hope God. he lays it on thick. Dude, they are soft as baby shit. And, yeah, two losses in a row. They wanted to fire co their coach, and then 14 hours later, we were afraid. Like, they're just – out of pocket right now, but this is glorious. For me. This is glorious because uh, one of my Navy buddies, shout out John Ryan, if you're listening, uh, love talking smack to you because he was like, oh, you're, you're talking a lot of trash for somebody who's been relevant for 14 months. But it's nice now because with back to back, that argument's gone, bro. Like we have the all time. We have the head to head. Yeah. So like now you're just picking dates. Yeah, it's lovely. You, that's all you're doing is like, hey, I was really good between March of 2019 right. and this one. Like, what about that? Sweet. Like, I don't care. We're, it, it, we're really good right now. It proved it was not a fluke. Back to back Big Ten champs, 25 wins. Again, apologies to Cornelius Johnson. Our bad. We are so sorry. We were wrong about you. But, yes, it is great. I loved watching Desmond just dunk on Cardell because it made him look stupid. Yeah, and uh, everybody was dunking on uh, Desmond's picks for the college football playoff. You got one of them. <laughs> <laughs> he always gets called a homer, but guess what? The he one was, he got right. <laughs> he was right about this one. Well, everybody always goes chalk, and they're wrong. Like, you look at RJ Young's infamous top 25. Yeah, yeah, I mean, and he is never going to live that. Now, Michigan fans, I got to give you credit. I'm not a big Twitter guy. I'm becoming less and less of a Twitter guy. Same. But the way that Michigan fans are just in his mentions, I got in on that the other day. It's so much fun. Oh, yeah. So he tweeted something out about Ohio State's fully healthy. They could watch it. Like, oh, this RJ Young? Yeah. <laughs> this guy at this stake? I mean, it was it was ridiculous. Michigan unranked. We're in the playoffs. We went 13-0. and 0. Brother, it was, and he was like, oh, my argument is his coach flew with the NFL. Cool. <laughs> what? That's your argument? Like, show me that data point. I have no idea how some of these people are employed with takes this asinine. Like, I know it's just to rile us up because the Michigan fan base is very active online. You're going to get clicks. You're going to get views. But come on, please. We're doing our top 25 next year because I just want to prove that we can do better. Oh, I'm, I'm so I'm down game. for that. We're I am down. It. We're going to take, ta take some shots, too. Yeah. Oh, 100%. I'll take shots. Yeah, because like TCU, who the hell called that this year? Like that is a crazy run for Second TCU. Second team ever behind Michigan last year to start the season unranked in the AP poll and finish it in the playoff. Yeah, and like it's a fun matchup. I seriously can't wait over the next couple of weeks to talk about that because like last year going into Georgia, it was like, all right, well, this ends here. Like with TCU, like fun matchup. It shouldn't end here. And like I'm excited to break it down. I don't hate them. There's no history whatsoever. I think their quarterback should be the Heisman winner. Like, I think their and their Twitter presence is wildly awesome. Yeah. Like they are nice. They're like, yeah, we should really cover the spread in this one. I think we match up well. It's like, great, moderate take. <laughs> I uh, my cousin that I lived with for three months down in Dallas went to TCU, so I actually have family that went to TCU. So I haven't talked to her in decades, but I have a reason to reach <laughs> out now. What are your Duggan thoughts <laughs> <laughs> after a decade and a half? Just be like, y'all ready to get that smoke? <laughs>
<laughs> just come in hot. It's like, how are you going to stop Donovan Edwards? If he, has two, if he has two hands. What's your plan to stop a pulling Olu Olu a TV? She's like, who is this? <laughs> I thought I blocked this I number. I blocked you. I thought we got drunk and called her in a racist. <laughs> I'm going to be in, as you know, I'm going to be in St. Lucia for the semifinal game. So it doesn't it, suck. It, it does not suck. If worse comes to worse, I'm just never coming back. <laughs> Bro, yeah, if it comes to that, yeah. We, but I mean, honestly. We can still podcast if you're in St. Lucia oh, or yeah, yeah, we'll Rang- find a way. Rangoon or wherever you're at. Yeah, be down there teaching, you know, crippled children yoga or something. <laughs> this isn't working. I need a new line of work. <laughs> They're not getting it. Uh, speaking of bowl games, though, were there any other bowl game matchups that uh, were pretty intriguing to you? Oh, uh, what was uh, my favorite one we were just talking about? Was it Washington and Texas? That's a lot of fun if everybody plays. And if uh, what's the Texas quarterback? I hate Quinn Ewers. Quinn, Quinn Ewers, who I freaking hate the mullet. And y'all are gonna like that creep can throw though. That creep can throw, and y'all are gonna look back on this mullet trend just like we all did when we had the bowl cut. But I agree with that. But like, have fun while you're doing it. But yeah, that that creep can throw. LSU for versus Purdue is kind of fun. I kinda well, because like, you and I are such big Aiden O'Connell big, fans, and we didn't talk about him. Let, let, let's let's Sluts, yeah, yeah. This is obviously out of turn. We just talked about Purdue yeah. in the first half of this. We are huge Aiden O'Connell fans, not just for like the way he plays, but to come out like the week after your brother dies, wasn't sure if he was going to play, and then to come out and play with that level of heart and like we needed everything we had to stop him. I mean, he was I mean, he was dropping dimes in this game. He is insanely accurate. I love the system they run there. It is fantastic as well. But he is just crazy. A lot of these throws they were completing in the first half and in the second half, like coverage was there. Yeah. He was just dropping the ball in with pressure in his face. So, I mean, I can't say enough good things about Aiden O'Connell. Uh, I really hope he can win this game. I hope he gets a shot at the next level. Like, just showing that kind of, like, heart and perseverance. You touched on it last week about how sometimes the best thing when you're dealing with such traumatic loss is being around your friends, distracting yourself, having a moment like this. Like, sorry to take away the win from you a little bit, but, like, you played your ass off. You deserve all good things in life. And I hope you smoke LSU and Brian Kelly. Seriously, I absolutely do. And he's getting a chance here going up against a secondary that's always producing NFL guys. I think they're more like third, fourth round projected guys this year rather than their typical first rounders. But these are still NFL corners. Um, And he did it against DJ Turner, who I think will play in the NFL. So this is like a real potential like drafting, you know, scenario type of thing where he could improve his draft draft situation and i think he's an nfl quarterback maybe a backup like a backup i I think he is like your prototypical backup he can be there like like i mean ideally he'd be chase daniel like the 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 backups backup like that kind of guy but uh, looking around at other games in the bowl schedule that don't involve michigan i'm really interested by utah penn state because penn state takes a lot of shit because they played two ranked teams got smoked by one got pulled away at the end by ohio state but that's the rose bowl that is there's so much history you know clifford's gonna play like he's not playing on sunday so i mean this is it this is it for and, him finally and i you and i both love kyle whittingham and utah's program so this is probably my favorite of the um New Year's six bowl games that don't involve Michigan. Yep. That was the last one I wanted to touch on. I'm glad you saved that one for last. Uh, I never root for James Franklin. I never root for Penn state. I'm kind of pulling for them in this. Is this the most likable Penn state team you can remember since like 16 Saquon? They or something? shut up and they took their beatings from the, the top of the big they did. 10. They did. They a hundred percent did. And like, they're like, they smoked everybody else. They were right, very Which powerful. helped us, so they did what we needed them to do. They're a 10-win team. Yeah, like a 10-win <laughs> team that's like really – they lost to the number – two. they lost to two playoff teams. Is Joey Porter Jr. playing, though? 
That's a very good question. He shouldn't. He probably shouldn't. I really like him, but also he's a dog. I would he is a dog. Like, I mean, he's the seed of Joey Porter. I appreciated his personal foul, though. I'll tell you that much. Yes, <laughs> I did. And he didn't have the best game against Michigan, but I like the player. I, th- I, th- I think he. I think he opted out. But I mean, good. Good for him. Like, yeah. I mean, if it's if there is one bowl game that's not going to lead to a national championship, the Rose Bowl is one you consider playing in. You would consider it, yeah. But I mean, he's got. He's not dropping past twenty. I don't. No, think he's a, he's he's yeah, a first he's rounder. So he is elite, and I really hope Penn State wins. They have a lot of freshmen loss. This team could be a problem in two years. I know. If if they have a quarterback. That's but the other thing. If they have a quarterback. Right. That's the other thing is like they're actually out recruiting us based on just recruiting rankings, which I'm starting to care less and less about. Yeah. Uh, but they do get talent in there. They have a lot of talent. A lot of talent, especially the running back. So that matchup stands up to me. Any other bowl games that jump off the page to you? How about Toledo getting to go to uh, the Bahamas to play Liberty? Oh. And I've been living in Toledo for the last couple months. This is about as big a win as you're going to get <laughs> for the Toledo Rockets. What a win that is. Is. That is awesome. I'm gonna I'm gonna pick another besides the fact that it's airing on um checks notes barstool. So what it, it is Ohio versus Wyoming. Shout out to OU alums, uh, our buddy Jim, oh, yeah. who we tailgated with, and obviously Liv. Wes, whose uh music uh is oh, the really? soundtrack to this podcast is OU, OU alum? alums. So, yes. so three OU alums in our very close circles, like they play on December 30th out in Tucson against Wyoming, so it'll be big Bobcats that day. But um, overall, I, I like the bowl schedule. I, I do. like I like the Orange so Bowl as two Orange teams. I like the Holiday Bowl as Oregon, North Carolina, because I think that might be like a 63-61 kind of shootout game. Like There's just a lot of fun matchups, and this is the one aspect of college football I don't want to lose with expansion. Seriously, and I love, like especially on New Year's Day when you're just hungover and you're just like, I'm going to watch just an absolutely out-of-pocket game. I'm going to watch West Virginia's Air Raid take on <laughs> Iowa. And you're just yeah. like, here we go. I have no idea what this is. And it's just like, oh, we basically gave crack cocaine to an infant and a clown. <laughs> basically, I want to watch BYU and SMU on December 17th. Right. Like, it's just like these fun games. Like, for these smaller teams, like, this is their Super Bowl. Like, this is it. Like, you're probably not playing at the next level. This is what your season culminates in. Like, you missed your conference championship more than likely. But now you have a chance to shine on national TV and you're the big game. A lot of teams don't get that. Right. And for a lot of programs, like you don't even think about opting out. Like you hear that about the Alabamas and stuff, but for like Kansas State and stuff, actually, that's a bad example. They got a couple players on that defensive line. They do. But like some other schools, um, like who made a bowl game this year, like uh, Purdue that we were just talking about, other than like O'Connell and Charlie Jones, who should play because they can only improve their draft stock. Like, yeah, of course you go out and play it. So I'm a big fan of the bowl seasons, but it's just so much different because our season isn't over <laughs> again. It's yeah, that's again. The the one thing also is like people never consider is like, this is your last game playing with your best friends. Yeah. It's like a lot of your best friends come in college and go out there with your boys one more time, get it done in the Bahamas if you're lucky. And it's like you have this one opportunity to have fun on national television and play football, a game you love, and a game you probably won't get to play for many more years. Yeah, exactly. I think they're in Boca Raton. But, like, isn't that exactly what uh, Jake Butt said to us when we asked him about that? Because, you know, we wanted to get yeah, the insight Yeah, yeah, it that. was. Yeah, and he mentioned, like, you have to keep in mind that these are your best friends that you're like, yeah. Jake so. Butt played, in, uh, infamously played, was in the Orange Bowl against mm-hmm. Florida State and blew out his knee and it shortened his NFL career. And now he's going to be growing into an outstanding broadcaster on the Big Ten Network. And it's like, I don't regret it for a second. I made that decision. 
things you love to see that because like, also remember Jabril Peppers practiced the whole time and got hurt practicing and didn't get to play right. in the game because he wanted to play in that game. That's right. He wanted to play too. And like that actually made me come back around on Jabril Peppers. I was never the biggest Peppers guy. And then like, I was like, Oh yeah, I'm sure he got injured. And then the reports came out like, no, he really did get injured trying yeah. to trying yeah. to make a go at this game. And I was like, okay, Jabril, <laughs> I, was, I see you. You and I were on opposite ends of that, but I was just like, this kid loves football. And it's like, he yeah. like, and like, I mean, it channels things different directions, but like, he's very much that hardball personality where it's like, I love ball. And it's like, you got to respect somebody like that that wants to go out there and give it one more try with his friends. Jordan Lewis played in that game. Yes, he did. Well, Jordan Lewis, I never questioned that. Unfortunately, was my how, how much do you hate, hate one of his last snap, his last snap? Oh my God. I yeah. know. It's, Florida State. And, but that's what you sat, that's what you put on the line though. Yeah. And also, um, Dalvin Cook played in that game from Florida State. Dalvin Cook. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. And like a running back in that <laughs> game, like of all positions to play. Yeah, man. Um, all right. I have a little superlative uh, before we get out of here. Rank the five best victories of this season. We know number one, I think. We probably know. Let's start with five. Well, actually, no, we got to go one back because five is the one that I don't know. So let's go with one. Number one's Ohio State. It is. Because that puts us in the Big Ten Championship. Puts us, we're not sweating out. We're not backdooring our way into the college football playoff. I got number two, MSU. The revenge. Oh, man. What would you put higher last year? Would you rather have losing to Michigan State and winning the Big Ten or beating Michigan State and losing the Big Ten championship? Here's the difference. I get what you're saying, and I agree. The championship was it had to happen. Imagine if we would have lost Michigan State again. It was not the win. We could not have a loss. I think I'm with you on that. We we were there, and we were tense throughout the first half. We could not have that loss. We could not. Probably the most physical game we've been in this year. The most vitriol on the field. We found out later what happened. Find Liv looked over at you and I, just like stressing, like, oh, God, that's a 2-I. That's a 2-I D-Tech. And just freaking out a bit like the game was in hand in the second half. So I agree. That was the second most, but that makes third most Purdue. That's what I have it as well. I have the Big Ten Championship at number three, and that's where I belabored the most. Uh, number four, I got Penn State. I agree with you. That was the big one. I mean, our only other ranked opponent, our top 10 matchup, smoked them. So I think that was very important to set the tone for the season because leading up to that game, you and I had a lot of back and forth about how we're going to perform. I was up late at night, like Jim Carrey in 23, writing stuff out in my notes. Deep cut. I know. I was like, look at this, Jared. Look at this. I did the numbers. And you're like, Andy, go to bed. <laughs> and But yeah, I, I agree with you. That is number three or for number four. Yeah, number four. What's number five, though? This one, I was like, I honestly don't know. Illinois. That's what I had. I was it's, Illinois or Maryland it's, for I, me. I like Illinois because it's the week before the game. It's the one before the one. And it's the game where it's like, you lose this. Where's your momentum at? Where's right. everything? And this game also just like kind of told me everything I need to know about this team. Mm-hmm. Like everything fell apart. You had every reason to lose this game. You had Isaiah Gash catching passes and you found a way to win. I think I agree with you. The only reason I kind of you know, I, I waffled a little bit maybe was that after Corum went out in this, I was like, all right, well, nothing matters now. There goes our entire <laughs> season. I thought the season was done. Yeah. So like when we pulled out the win, I was like, great, no Corum, no Edwards. Like we still can't go. Like I was still pretty bummed even yeah. after winning. I was like, wow, we pulled out the win, but like without those guys, like we can't do anything. So like, but that's, that's nothing to take away because everything you said is yeah. absolutely right. 
And it was just how I was feeling afterwards. So I still think it's the most important and best. It's the Maryland one is interesting because it was so early in the year, and you you made the best point about how it's such a jump in competition, mm-hmm. and it caught us with Rutgers last year when we jumped up out of our non conference to play them, and it was like right before Wisconsin, and this year was right before Iowa, so it kind of snuck up on us, and it's like. The second half, we were more than comfortably ahead. It's like the fact that against Illinois, we had to have the stop on defense. Like, if we don't stop them from getting a first down, we lose the game. And we stop them. And then if we don't drive the ball down, we lose the game. We don't kick the field goal, we lose the game. And the fact that all three sides came together to get the win in that game and preserve 13-0, I think it has to be five. I agree. Yeah. And uh, like, as you look back on it now with the benefit of hindsight, you look um, 13 and 0 is just. Brett Bielema such... looks back and blames the officials. <laughs> <laughs> Brett Bielema doesn't have hindsight. He can't turn his neck. <laughs> he can't turn around and move his whole body. I'm talking about. Too busy focusing on the grill. Yeah. <laughs> Only man in the Big Ten with his own orbit. I'm sick of him. <laughs> so sick of him. I, we loved him weeks ago. Now I, I don't like, want to. Yeah. He was our guy. We were so happy. Hero. He came back to the Big Ten and then he starts just like shitting on Michigan. It's like. What is your problem? Grow up. Maybe uh, don't have heroes. Eric All, Brett Bielma. Who's next? Like it's been a rough year for my heroes. That's like I'm just so worried. Mikey Sainristil is going to get oh, into human God. trafficking don't, or something. Don't say it. Don't say don't it. Do it. Don't well, say I got a jersey on the way, so like now we're both invested in this. Oh God, Colson Loveland, please live forever. That's what I need. Yeah, and just be like a sweet, wholesome boy. That's all. All we just make, keep making catches like that. Just I can, a good, clean boy. I can overlook a lot. I can overlook. <laughs> Polygamy, what do you got going on out there in Idaho? What's going on, Colson? It's fine. You vote for a potato? <laughs> Voted for Kanye West. That's surprising. Uh, oh, that's, that's problematic. Uh, harder to defend nowadays. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. All right, man. That's about all I've got. Any final thoughts? Uh, well, before that, just to give you like a little bit of heads up, we're going to be doing all of our uh, you know pregame bowl preparation over the last over the next couple of weeks, uh, we'll be diving into the TCU matchup. We'll be diving in a little bit of off-season stuff, starting to look ahead to uh, what we've got on for next year for this team. And, man, am I freaking excited with next year's roster. Yeah, man, we got three pods to do before the actual game. Like, it's going to be fun to dive into some stuff, like get everything done, talk about the future, talk about what's coming up in the present. And, man, that TCU – I've already bit you. You texted me last night. Like, I love you already doing your breakdown. It's grinding. Like, I was I was deep in the tape last night. Just like, um, girlfriend's out of town. I'm sitting at home, and I'm, like, replaying, like, TCU Kansas from, like, week five. Like, look at this. Look at this. Look at this guard. Like, it's a, it's a tell. And then Jared's like, Andy, again, please. I'm going to see you tomorrow. There's three weeks. <laughs> the game's in 25 days. <laughs> so, uh, very excited for you to, to give everybody that content. We're going to have a very thorough breakdown of an entire TCU podcast. Podcast. And it's going to be a lot of fun to break down a team we very much respect on both sides of the ball. Kind of a change of pace for us. Right. Yeah. I don't respect many teams in the Big Ten anymore. <laughs> We're just getting more enemies every single year. Like, who do we like now? We like, we like Purdue. Yeah. We like Aiden O'Connor. He's gone, though. We like Purdue still. Right. Yeah. Purdue. Um, not, not, not really Maryland, the guy. Uh, I, I hate that Penn State's moving up so much for us. <sighs> I'd still, yeah, they've got a ways to go. I guess Rutgers means nothing to me. I like Shiano, though. Sure, Shiano's fine. Uh, not a big Fleck guy. No. Um, that doesn't really Not Iowa. Not me. Iowa. Certainly, no, Iowa's no. Uh, Iowa's Wisconsin. Is, we like Wisconsin. We, we like Fickle. We like uh, the fact that Leonard's coming back. Rule at Nebraska, I kind of like. I like Matt Rule, man. Yeah. What he did at Baylor was God's work. So. Yeah. Yeah, all right. No, so they're still, we're not mostly just haters. West, mostly West teams. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because like. 
You're not harming anybody. Yeah, we're looking at the East. We're like, oh, not you, not yeah. you, not you. We're the Alec Baldwins of the Baldwin crew. They're the Stephen Baldwins. Uh, very, very. <laughs> Drink up, Stephen. You're the weakest. You're the weakest. <laughs> Oh, man, that's going to do it for us tonight, man. Make sure that you like, share, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, whether that's Spotify, Apple Music, or wherever. You can follow us on Twitter, at Brew. I'm Jared. That's Andy. This is Out of the Blue. We'd like to remind you that wherever you go, go blue. Go blue.